Let's pray together. God, I've been thinking about you a lot lately and thinking about the fact that I've spent a lot of these preaching years talking about things that you're going to do and trying to get people to hear promises of what's coming. And these passages that you have given us that we're going to read today have reminded me in many ways and convicted me, quite frankly, in some ways of the fact that you've already given us everything that we need. You've already done everything that we need to be in your presence and to be your people. So uh, thanks for the reminder. In Jesus' name, amen. So one headline caught my eye last month as I was reading the news. So I just want to read it to you. Here's the headline. Pub welcomes 433 Nigels to celebrate Nigelness. <laughs> here's, here's part of the article. More than 400 people named Nigel gathered in a country pub for a special party. And I'm not making this up. This is word for word. More than 400 people named Nigel gathered in a country pub for a special party to celebrate Nigelness. The event at the Fleece in Worcestershire, anyway, somewhere in England, and I know someone's going to come up and tell me afterwards, oh, here's the way it's pronounced. I don't care. Uh, anyway, somewhere in England, was attended by 433 Nigels, according to landlord, Nigel Smith. He's the guy in the red shirt, by the way. So it was really just a few Nigels getting together in the same room to share Nigel stories, celebrate our Nigelness. That was our original intention. He first got the idea of the Nigel-themed get-together a couple of years back when he was a bit shocked to find the Office of National Statistics records suggested there had been no babies born Nigel in 2016. We got some 433 Nigels there last night, plus about another thousand non-Nigels who'd just come along for a laugh, he said. And all I thought when I read this was, man, they must have really big pubs in England. <laughs> So, a few Saturdays ago, right after I read this story, Reese and I, my daughter, took Moby, her dog, for a walk to Barnaby's, which is a restaurant a couple of blocks from our house that's very dog-friendly. Um, in fact, this restaurant is so dog-friendly that the name Barnaby is the owner's dog. So, that's why he called it that. So we knew that. We go, and we're going to sit on the patio, have lunch. It's a nice day. So we walk Moby a couple of blocks, and the minute we get there, before the waiter asks us what we want, how we're doing anything, he goes and gets a paper bowl, fills it up with water for Moby, and gets him a dog biscuit. So he thought it was the greatest place he'd ever been you know, in the world. Um, of course, it's a dog. He thinks everything's the greatest thing in the world. But anyway, he thinks it's so great. And so we have this great lunch, and the waiter's real cool and, and everything. But then, whenever we got finished, I gave him the card, and he brought it back 
for me to sign the check. And he lays the card down and he says, I knew there was something I like about you. You know, and waiters tell you that right before they give you the, the check, right? So he says, I knew there was something that I like about you. I wonder where he's going with this. He says, I'm named Jeff too. And I was like, oh, yes. Child of the 70s. Uh, and I said, you know, we got to stick together because there's just not many. I mean, honestly, whenever you hold a new baby, how many of them are named Jeff? Not a whole lot of Jeffs. So I said, we've got to stick together. And he's like, that's right. You know, we just have to stick together. And I said, well, at least we're not named Nigel. And he said, named what? And I said, exactly. And it just, it got me to thinking, the Nigel story and the Jeff exchange, things just change so quickly over time, but sometimes they don't change quickly. Sometimes they change so gradually that we just don't even realize, and we don't, we don't see it coming. Um, and that's where you and I come in, I think, brothers and sisters. We, the Jesus followers, who Scripture teaches us, are all one in Christ Jesus. It, it is probably the earliest New Testament scripture that we have. The first thing that was written down that was representative of how Christians are supposed to be together. So 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians, probably the earliest book in the New Testament. And this is what Paul wrote to a young church still trying to find their way. And again, keep in mind, this is earliest Christian correspondence that we have and we know. And it kind of makes you think, why did he say these things? You know, we we have this whole New Testament, so why these things? And so if you think about it in that light, uh, it's, it's fairly interesting to say, why did he pick these things to start this whole conversation? So a couple of things out of chapters 4 and 5. Now about, and I'm reading out of NIV because it's kind of what, this, is, this was my introduction to this, and it's one that's a little bit fairly familiar, so I'll, I'll translate it a little bit differently in this opening part. Now about brotherly love and sisterly love and friendly love and everybody love. And I think this line is so interesting. We don't need to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all the brothers and sisters throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do more and more. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business and to work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. This is the first thing that Christians received, and I just, I find it so fascinating that one of the first things written to young Christians was Your ambition, and I mean, we know that word. You got to have ambition. Make it your ambition. Be quiet, mind your own business. 
That's a, that's a strange thing to say in the New Testament. And I'm thinking, what is he really after here? What, what, what is going on that he would say something like this? And I think what it comes down to is this whole action of one. We think of we are all one in Christ Jesus as tied to our beliefs. You know what I mean by that? We think the only way that we can all be one in Christ Jesus is our beliefs. And that is a part of it. And 1 Corinthians 1 actually talks about that. But it seems like what Paul is after in this earliest Christian correspondence is that one of the ways that we are one, one of the ways that we carry out the action of one is this shared kind of ambition for a quiet life. That we don't mind our own business in the sense that I don't care about you and you don't care about me. But there is something to be said about um, sort of us of supporting each other and loving each other and being here for each other. And he continues this. This is the last thing he says. Next chapter in verse 9. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us whether we are awake or asleep. We may live together with Him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. So I don't think, you know, his, his little mind-your-own-business statement is being malicious. I think he's saying that there are more important things for us as the body of Christ, especially today. And that one of the most important things we carry out as the body of Christ is encourage one another and build each other up. I love that he ends this thought with this line, just as in fact you are doing. That's really just a preacherly way of saying, here's a reminder to keep on doing exactly what you're doing, because you're doing God's will. And so if we preach 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5, this earliest Christian correspondence today as a church that's all one in Christ Jesus, one of the things we preach from this passage is a way of saying, just keep doing what you're doing. Do exactly what you've been doing up to this point. Be exactly who you have been up to this point. We reflect the life and love of Jesus every time we encourage one another. Every time we build each other up. Every time you send an encouragement card, every hug, every I've been praying for you, is all a part of the greater will of Jesus. And you know what the best news of that is, especially these days, is that that's just not that hard. It's not hard to do. I've been praying for you. Here's an encouragement card. Here's a hug. I'm glad to see you. That's actually not that hard. Now, I'll tell you why I've been thinking about this. I've watched a couple of movies over the past few years that have convinced me that economics has gotten so complicated that no one understands it anymore. It, and whether that's true or not, and I think it is, but whether that's true or not, I think contemporary Christianity 
in many ways is in that same boat. Because we've let everything get too complicated. We've let everything get too kind of easily divisive rather than doing what we've been told to do all along, which is to say to one another that Jesus offers true, authentic, abundant life that's ours for the taking. And that's what we share with each other. One of the things that got me thinking about that was that, you know, Leah and I a couple of months ago started thinking about this fall, this sort of what it means to all be one in Christ Jesus. And we were looking through music that we played during communion. And she said, do you have any ideas for communion music? I said, yeah, here's a couple of songs, but I don't. So just, you know, run with it. Have a field day. Just, just go, go run with it and find songs about we're all one in Christ Jesus and unity and how Christ brings us all together. And you know what she came back with? She said, I wrote it down. She said, there's just not a whole lot of songs out there about unity and together as one. thought, well, that's kind of sad that there's, there's not a lot of music and hymnody about what I think is one of the most important, central Christian teachings in the New Testament. Um, you know, and thankfully we were able to find at least a few, but I don't know, those of us who call ourselves Christians are going to need to stick together maybe better than we've done in the past. And I don't know, why not, why not let that start with our you know, family church here in this place? Because if statistics are right, fewer and fewer of us are occupying this part of the planet these days. And for a religion that has come to be known in the United States for our divisiveness our fragmentation and our arguments, which I do realize is not just religion. That describes just about everything these days. I get that. But we need to remember, first and foremost, that we are all one in Christ Jesus. And that if we try to do that as an act of will, it's not going to happen. It's impossible. We are only that because of what Jesus does among us. And I realized somewhere along the way of thinking through all this that we spend an awful lot of our own religious tradition saying we are the one people when what we should have been saying all along is that we are the people who are one. And that's not possible apart from the Spirit of God dwelling among us. This is impossible without Jesus. This passage I alluded to a minute ago out of 1 Corinthians 1, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. Impossible.
but with Jesus, all things are possible. This is our witness to the world. This is our calling. This is our commission. And so back to the ending of 1 Thessalonians and how this earliest Christian correspondence draws to a close. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen.